Welcome to Triple Threat, the podcast with Jamel President, where it's good news and good vibes all the time, baby. When we left Portugal to come play with you and your system, Jamel, it was the best thing for Shane because you, you, you pushed him to do other things outside his box. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Jamel President and on Twitter at President Jamel. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast as I'll be bringing you a new interview every month. Hey, what's up, guys? Uh, coming up next, we got Aaron Lucas uh, from Richland Northeast um, in Columbia, South Carolina. Uh, Aaron had a great career at USC. Um, I think he was a 1997 Nike All-American, and we all, as players, wish you know we can get our numbers called uh, for that award. So big ups to him about that. But in our interview, we talked about one thing about um, BJ Mackey, about wanting to be just like BJ, wanting to have the the notoriety and the and the write ups like BJ, and that helped propelled him into a stellar career. Uh, great interview. Can't wait to get into it. All right. Let's go. So I'm going to keep you, man, everybody busy. I just wanted to, you know, part of this podcast just to, you know, talk, talk to, uh, you know, college players, NBA players, coaches, and uh, try to bring their wealth of knowledge to the up and coming um, student athletes and, you know, families as well. You know, so, um, you know, take us back. You know, we talk to our guests as always, you know, a a beginning, a part of your journey, whether it be rec department, you know, the intermediate years. Take us back to those times where young Aaron started to really, you know, started to really was introduced to the sport, per se. You know, take us back to that. Um, I mean, really. Football is and. And still is my first love. So I actually started out um, first. First sport I actually played was soccer. That was the first thing. I, that was my first introduction into um, team sports. And then it went to um, football. And my older brother played football, so you know I wanted to be like him. For sure. So I wanted to get it, dabble into football. And then from football, um, I got into parks and rec up here in Columbia. Um, and it started hooping a little bit, didn't really take it serious, but, you know, it was more so something else to do, you know, play in the neighborhood, you know, it was just fun. Football was kind of my thing. That's what I wanted to do. Right. But, um, <clears throat> really, it's just, I would say I didn't start hooping until I might have been fifth grade, maybe. Wow. Wow. That's when I first kind of, my first recreational experience, like my first actual team atmosphere type thing. And you and you are native of um, Columbia, correct? South Carolina? Native of Columbia, um, rooted out of Charleston, but I grew up here in Columbia. What's, what's rooted out of Charleston mean? So a lot of people ask that question because they like, you know, you always talk about Charleston, you always, you know, everything. Everybody in my family but me is 
from Charleston. Okay. Like my, my, my brother and sister were both, both born down there. I was born actually in Malden when my okay. parents relocated um, from Charleston to Malden, South Carolina, which is up in Greenville, for, for those who don't know. So I was born up there, and then um, when my parents separated, my mom came. She didn't go back home. She came to Columbia. My dad went back home. So gotcha. um, when I say rooted, everybody in my family, literally sure. everybody for sure. but me. For so. Sure. Um, that makes not, that makes sense. That makes sense. Now I now I understand the the the, the terminology when you say yeah. rooted. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So um, you know when uh, is it was breaking up a little bit. Yeah, I'm with you. You hear? Okay. Say that one more time. No, I was I was I was just listening to you. You were just saying I, I was just saying that. Yeah, I, I see what you meant when you meant when you say rooted. I see what you meant now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Deeply rooted. Um, you know, and I, I try to make sure I, I I stand on that. You know, just being um, you know, and that's more of a thing now. People want to make sure they understand what being Gullo, being Geechee is. Um, you know, I spent a lot of time down there, obviously, with my parents separated. So my summers were always down in Charleston, James Island, downtown. For sure. Um, and then, uh, of course, every other night, weekend, you know how that goes if you, you grew up in single parent households. So right. um, deeply rooted, um, spent some time down there on the ball courts, you know, watch guys like like Melvin and, and um, Jenkins play at Burke. You know, that's right. where all my family went to school at. So, um you know, deeply rooted in the culture and, and the, you know, family and everything else. So, but as far as Columbia, that's where, you know, all of my youth, my my growing up, my friends, everything really came out of Columbia. So try to make sure there's a distinction between the two because people always see me kind of represent too. I don't talk about Columbia as much, but right. because it's kind of known. For sure. So, so, and you're, um, you know, coming up, you know, and ask my guests all the time about their experience, you know, in the rec departments, in those programs, uh, right. what's, what's your take on, on the programs you grew up in? Cause everybody had a certain, whether it was a father figure, was that community person that kind of, uh, introduced them and kind of coached them or supported them. Um, in, in addition to the, 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 the programs that they were in, like, how were they, Beneficial or non-beneficial to you? Um, first person that really kind of took me in, um, a guy named Lorenzo Martin, uh, one of my best friends' father. Um, he kind of introduced me into the rec league and, and kind of took me under his wing. Um, and that was a great experience because, you know, again, I didn't know anything other than football. I didn't really understand basketball from a standpoint of being around people, the competitive nature of it. Um, so he he really kind of put me on. Killian Park is the park um, that, that we hooped in. And then uh, from there, like my mom just started taking me around different places because she saw I started to have a little affinity for it. Mm. And I kind of, I really cut my teeth as far as just understanding the game and, and really knowing you got to be a dog when you get out there is at Greenview Park, which is 
fairly well known just about everywhere, especially if you come through Columbia. Everybody knows Greenview Park. So, right. um, you know, from there, it was, uh, you know, Killian, Greenview, um, probably the notable ones, Hyatt Park, Lower Park in the city. Um, and from there, one of my closest friends um, that grew up with me in the neighborhood, Bryant Latimer, his dad took me on his wing as far as AAU is concerned. That's mm-hmm. that's kind of my first taste of AAU. And then, um, you know, that was middle school time. Right. That was all, you know, we playing in the street on the black top. Um, he wanted to put some guys together from the neighborhood. So we go down to Myrtle Beach. We play at, um, I think we played a couple places in, in Charlotte and, and in Rock Hill area and, of course, in Columbia and Sumter. Right. And so that was kind of my introduction to travel ball and, and just getting out there with AAU. And it was fun. You know, we had a good time. But again, my heart was still with football. So I just wow. did it because everybody in the neighborhood was kind of rocking with it. That's interesting. Um, and from there, you know, to answer the question, as far as the good and the bad, the good was I had, you know, men, father figures around me, you know, where I could see that that bond, mm. you know, kind of understand that bond. And then I had some really solid dudes around me that that could push me and, you know, just keep challenging me and kind of tell me like, you can, like, you can hoop. Right. Right. You, you can actually hoop. And it wasn't until um, playing for the Raging Bulls, which was um, mm. run by John Brown up here, you know, God rest the dead is when I really like saw basketball. Mm. Mm. In its full, in its full um, authenticity, it, you know, as far as being in a a, a hoop culture, right? Two a days. I'm 13, 14 years old. We had two a days at, at Friars Gate Park, which is on the other side of town. Um, but it was two a days. We running plays. We got a system. You know, you got conditioning on the park. At the park level, this wow. is AAU. This is Raging Bulls. This is before I know you know um Dion Bethay, yeah. who really kind of elevated the AAU scene in South Carolina. This was this predates Dion, and I think Dion took the blueprint from from John, right? You know, because John passed away, so it, it was a void until Dion came through. But as far as the actual hoop, we were two days on Saturdays. Wow. It's like nine o'clock, we get a break and then we go again. Wow. Running sets. Um, this is YBOA. So this, I guess this was kind of the equivalent of uh, EYCBL or whatever right. it's called. Now. Right. So this was taking some of the top dudes in the city <clears throat> um, and putting them all together and really trying to develop a team. Right. So that was my first experience. So again, to kind of tie it back to your question, the bad was I never you know, I was never a part of a situation like that. Mm. So mm. that kind of turned me off. Mm. You know mm. what I mean? When you're just, mm-hmm. you in the park and you're just hooping and you're just getting it in, and then now you got all this structure. Mm. Like, I don't know if I'm, I ain't, I ain't with all <laughs> Right. I just get these shots up, let's get up and down, let's do what we do at the park and let's keep it moving. Right. But again, that discipline that um that structure really I would say laid the foundation for kind of everything else that happened afterwards. So you know um 
passing in the media years and the region bulls and playing, you you know, obviously you're going to transfer, transition into high school. Um, what were your challenges in the high school? Who were ahead of you, and um, and how did you you know approach that? Because you know some players, some high school players don't get the chance to really play until they sophomore junior year because they got a lot of competition in front of them. What was right. your situation? Who was who was your the person that you look up to and and, and challenged you the whole time? Um, going to actually an interesting story. Going into high school again, football was my main thing. Um, high school coaches wanted me to come play football. Um, but my mom kind of nixed that. Mm. She's like, nah, you ain't playing football. I'm like, I've been playing since third grade. Like, what's, what's up? Right. That kind of crushed me. So my alternative was, was the next sport that I played was basketball. Right. So she sent me to Richmond Northeast because Carl Williams, again, God bless, one of the greatest mentors, one of the greatest men, greatest coaches that has ever coached the game in South Carolina, nationwide, that matter. Um, she wanted me to play for him. He was good friends with my uncle. Um, and they grew up at Booker T. Washington, ran that crew at floor with uh, Xavier McDaniel and Tyrone Corbin. All. Mm. And so she wanted me to play for a legend. Mm. The year I come in is the year he goes to Lord Richland and Gary Fulmer comes to, to Richland Northeast. So now I'm in a like, I'm in a weird space. Yeah. Um, however, during that time, that's 93, 94 when I came in. That's the year they had uh, Corey Reggie Todd, Nikki Davis, um, mm. Mike Byers. Um, they were nationally ranked. Like, it, this was the team. Right. And there was a guy in front of – there was a guy who was a freshman, Brad Hunter. He ended up transferring to Eau Claire, one of the coldest cats I know that who – he was kind of like the dude. You know what I mean? Corey, Reggie, Nick, they were all older, so they were on their way out. But, mm -hmm. but Brad was going to be the next guy up. Mm -hmm. So, you know, me getting there – you know, trying out for the team, just, you know, just want to see where I stood because, you know, I heard about them. And right. People knew by then, you know, middle school, I started dunking and a couple other things where I started making a little name for myself. Right. Um, so it was like, all right, who does Brad do? You know, let me see him. For sure. So they matched us up and we went at it for like two days for tryouts. And that kind of was like my, my introduction into that level like right. I felt like if I can hoop with Brad and I can compete for this job I'm coming to get it for sure, for sure. and so um lo and behold Brad ended up transferring to Eau Claire which kind of opened the gate like yeah, right when I tell you it's a story too it's like it's interesting how everything happened Carl Williams leaving and you know if you know old school hooping I wasn't gonna play as a freshman like you yeah. said, it was going to be sophomore year. If I I had to be special, sophomore year, junior year, I get my chance because you know Coach Williams kind of old school, and you had to earn everything. For sure. With Brad leaving, it was like a clean slate for Coach Fulmer. Like there was nothing really to build off of other than what 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 he inherited, right? And then what was coming, and then I was part of that class that came through, and I think we had a that rally little dunk contest type thing. And that was my first taste of like the hype. Right, right. So I kind of, I won the little dunk contest. This is my freshman year. I was probably five, seven. 
and people was just like, yo, right. I didn't know you could get up like that, man. Like, boy, you getting down. Right. And I was like, you know, I, yeah, I guess. For sure. I, Still wasn't sure yet. Nah, I wasn't sure because there was, I mean, even with all that left, again, with Nikki and, and the Tide brothers, there was still some dudes that were cold. Like, they, right. could, they could go, you know what I mean? And that kind of set a different tone and a trajectory for me because I could do something that those cats, they couldn't do. They could hoop, but they weren't, like, athletes. For sure. Big and so that, that, that just put it on a whole different, you know, plateau. And then... um and I'm probably going long-winded because these stories oh, come and go no and sit in my head. No um, the motivation to be great was from BJ Mackey. Hmm. And I tell this story all the time. It's ironic. Um, before we before we started chopping it up, I watched uh matter of fact, you sent me to BJ in him. Yeah. And um every time B is like a big brother, we talk all the time, everything. But I tell this story all the time because he came to Irmo played Northeast. Um, my freshman year, I was still on JV. This was early in the season. And he must have dropped about 32. <laughs> right? Right. All this hype, BJ Mackey, blah, blah, blah. Okay, let's see, you know, what, what this sure. is. You know what I mean? They from the other side of town. For sure. So... He drops 32 or whatever, they beat us, and he starts leaving out the gym. I mean, the girls, people, <laughs> everybody coming up to him to sign autographs, just do all this stuff. And I sat there on the bleachers, and I was just shaking my head like, this will never happen again in this gym, mm. unless it's me. Mm. Like, that was the spark that was like, mm. there won't be another dude that comes in this gym. Wow, wow that's going to get this much shine from the home team. You For know sure. what I mean? For sure. And then just leave. For nah. Sure. So that's where the hunger started. In this time, our message, we got Barrington Huntley. Amateurism, um, you know, when you get certified by the NCAA, you have the academic certification. That's kind of what we just went over. Um, but then you have the amateurism component as well. And amateurism, all you know, all is making sure is that a student athlete hasn't professionalized themselves um, and isn't accepting money to play sports. So um, it's a series of questions that will be asked when the student registers. You know, they want to know what teams you've been on, have you signed any professional contracts, that kind of stuff. And I can go ahead and tell you that 94% of students that come through our certification process don't have any issue with amateur. You know, it's a very small percentage, um, just making sure that they're not accepting any money above actual necessary expenses for their uh, participation in sports. Now let's get back to the interview. And so, as your freshman, you started playing. What was your numbers like? You know, because uh, again, it's 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 different levels of, mm -hmm. of of transition and mentally, where these experiences is you know confirming where where your path is going to take you. Um, right. You know, talking to BJ since you brought that up, he you know he always talked about um, 
you know, his 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 summers, his his Nikes, his his travel stuff, and looking at your um, you know, your your playbook here, um, three times all region, two time all state, north south all star, nineteen ninety eight player of the year, nineteen ninety seven all American, you know, when did those things start happening? As far as you know, in, in high school, did it happen from camps? Um, when did those things start happening? How did that make you feel as a player? Because we all just um, talking to BJ and, you know, Marvin Orange, you know, before your time, we were, we were all looking into the little scouting report, you know, the little black and white pages that come out. It wasn't really yeah. the social media at that time. So right, right. Um, so how did, how did that make you feel as a player just coming up and getting all this notoriety and, you know, the hunger start happening, the experiences start happening. What, what, what made that jump from, you know, getting those notoriety um, being from South Carolina? Um, again, I was chasing it. Mm. Like I said, I, mm. you know, BJ kind of set the bar as far as what I was looking for. Mm. And so I was chasing that. Mm. And, you know, the newspaper clippings were everything back in the day. For sure. And it wasn't just, you know, your, your last name. You wanted your whole name. That means you were in double figures. For sure. And so, um, you know, my freshman year, I played JV half the year, and then I got moved up to varsity um, at the end of the year. So I think JV, I might have been averaging like 19. And, you know, again, the comp was was solid. It was it wasn't no, no pushover. It wasn't right. like I would say JV is now, but it was like some real comp. For sure. Um, and then I moved up, and we had to play teams like, like Sumter. So back in the early 90s, Sumter was loaded. Right. And playing Irmo and playing Hillcrest, Dizel, and, and teams like that. And so I had to go through this transition of the speed of the game, the size of the players, the athleticism, mm. the strength. Um, but in my mind, I was still chasing that moment. For sure. You feel me? Like I wanted it then. I knew it in hindsight. I knew it couldn't happen then because there was a lot I still needed to learn. But in my mind, as a ninth grader moving up the varsity and having the hype in the school, I was chasing what BJ or what BJ had. I wanted to go in other gyms, and people knew from the moment we walked in. Yeah, that's Richard Northeast, but that's that guy for sure. Sure. That's him right there. That's him right there. And so <laughs> um, going to different camps, you know, playing more more park games, you know, against the old heads and, and just trying to learn and, and just get beat up and, and really, you know, just trying to hone the craft going into my sophomore year. Now, you know, Coach Fulmer kind of gave me the keys. Mm. After going to camp, after um, – team camps and different things like that, kind of setting myself apart. Um, really just, again, showing that hunger in practices, showing that hunger in the summer games, showing that hunger um, in park and rec. Like my sophomore year, it's time to take off. For sure. And I started to do that. So once I started seeing my name in the paper and, you know, you get those clips, sometimes you see your face like, halfway in one of the frames they they took a shot of somebody else but then you like in there i'm like yeah For see sure. i was in the, sure. you know what i mean yeah. so that that from that point again the hunger was few right because i knew i was on the right track and so um you know sophomore year was go time 
I got moved to the point. Um, really started learning more about systems, understanding game. I, like Gary Fullman was great um, with strategy. So, you know, there's a lot of things I learned between my freshman year and my sophomore year and given, being given the keys. For sure. And so, you know, once the notoriety came, I didn't really feel it and I didn't really understand it till later on, like tail end of my junior year, some of my junior year going into my senior year where I stood. I didn't even think, I wouldn't even think about college. I wouldn't even think about anything. All I wanted was with BJ. Right. That I mean, was my that, sole motivation. That, that, that saved me to my next question, you know, and, you know, because you wasn't thinking about college and thinking about the next level, when did that come up? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because, and, 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 and you're absolutely dead on um, about the mentality, right? Being that you are, were a great student athlete, um, we all was moving off of hunger. We, we, we really didn't have a path set a, a, ahead of us to say, hey, look, I want you, this college to be great for you because this system is X, Y, Z. This college is not gonna be good because you don't like the cold weather and they, they're really, really cold. This situation might not be good for you because you're a point guard and this, uh, a, a, a kid did that's a fresh, a sophomore right now, you got to fight for three years. So we don't have, I didn't have, and it sounded like, you know, were you not thinking about that initially? Mm -hmm. How did you make your choice? What situations, what options did you have from other colleges and how did you end up in South Carolina? Because again, I'll let you go. A lot of players are make college, make choices because of the comfortability, what they were right. comfortable in, not actually yeah. what actually work for them as a player. So bring that to me. Mm -hmm. So junior year comes around. Um, things are looking on the up and up. You know, I have good summers. You know, played a little bit of AAU, but I wasn't really into it, you know, for just being naive, not understanding the importance of it. Um, still chasing what BJ had, but I start feeling some of it. Um, early on in my junior year, I think I had a game, I scored 31. And the buzz starts happening. Now I'm starting to get a little taste of that when I walk in different gyms mm -hmm. and go in different places. And... I could go to every park in the city and hoop comfortably. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. You, you probably understand what I mean sure. by comfortably because you can't always just go everywhere and exactly. people you know, show you love. So that's when I knew I was like, all right, I'm good. I'm getting there. Um, and to address, you know, the student athlete part, I never, again, without having that knowledge, that awareness, people kind of explaining the trajectory that I was going in, the things that could be ahead of me. I didn't really understand and couldn't appreciate the academic side of it and what that meant. So um, junior year, going into my senior year, my school counselor talks to me uh, and my mom about, you know, my grades and, and how things are shaping out. So I had to end up going to Oak Hill for summer of 97. I was at Oak Hill for summer school and really was the plan was to go there. And I had no idea what Oak Hill was. Mm. Zero. Mm. Clueless, blinded. I was just clueless until I got up there. And it's like, oh, okay. Stackhouse, like mm. Quay Alexander's like these, I know these names, but I don't mm. like 
we in the middle of nowhere. This means nothing to me. Right. Um, we didn't win state that year. My, my brother to this day, um, Bubba Kenlock won, North Charleston won, him, CJ, and um, they won it that year. So I was still hungry. I was still upset. I was still frustrated. Um, and I'm in the middle of nowhere. Mm. And I'm trying to put all this stuff together. We lifting every day, we're working out. Um, college coaches are coming every day. And it's just like, all right, so this is a thing. For sure. Like, this is a thing. Patino's there, Dave Odom's there, Eddie Fogel's there, Tubby Smith is there. Um, Rick Barnes came up a couple, like, all these coaches are there every day. It's crazy. And it's just like, this This is a whole thing. Right. Like, I can do, like, I can do something. Like, this right. is stuff you see Allen Iverson, mm-hmm. Georgetown. I see y'all playing down at Charleston. I'm like, oh, these this is how this works. For sure, for sure. And so, let me, you let know, me I started right getting... Let me jump in right quick uh-huh. before you continue. You know, I went to Fourth Union. And mm-hmm. just the same thing happened where they have you out there nowhere where you're going you're gonna to have a choice but to work. Right. You know I mean, it ain't no distraction. There ain't no girls. You got to walk around yeah. all 40 miles just to get in, just get in town. You know what I mean? So it, it makes you focus and you have a choice but to work. But yeah. I just wanted to, to intersect with that and, 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 and bring light to you have to make those sacrifices to get to the next level. Right. You know what I mean? I don't think had someone told us we were about to go into at the shine my shoes every morning, make my bread, make my bed at 6 a.m. Like as a military mm-hmm. setting. But I had yeah. I had to do that in order to get to the next level. And I think had we known that someone tells us that right. we might have, you know, backed out of it because, you know, not knowing what we're getting into could be a little bit more uncomfortable, but I just wanted to intersect that. I didn't know you went to OK as well. For sure, yeah. It was um, it was kind of like what you mentioned earlier about being comfortable. And so my comfort zone was was obviously um, hooping in Columbia, and really the the thing that was even more troubling then is my summers were always in Charleston. Hmm. So summer school in the middle of nowhere versus being in the city with my family and, and you know, kicking it, going to the park here and there, doing, watching midnight hoops For sure. late at night. All of that's taken away. My grandfather passes that same summer and it was just like, mm. nah, right. this, ain't, this ain't it. Right. Like, this isn't, you know, this is not what I want to do. And again, to your point, there was nobody to say, this, 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 what you're doing now is the best thing for what you don't even know is coming. Exactly. You know exactly. what I mean? So it was, you know, if I had some of the older heads that I have now that would have said, Luke, Columbia is going to be there. Right. Don't worry about it. Just right. do your old kill thing. That's going to take you further. Like if I had those people in my ear then, or if I would have known them then, that, that's more of the important part. Then I likely would have stayed at Oak Hill and gotten what I need. Mm. So I come back, um, had a good summer. You know, start getting those interest letters, start getting those phone calls. Matter of fact, that same summer was Nike. So I was at Oak Hill, and then I went to Nike for a week playing against, you know, obviously the top players in the country. Um, 
And now it's just like, where do I fit? Again, when you go to a Nike camp or you go to Adidas or whatever, and you don't have anybody explain to you what that is, mm. you don't know how to go into it. Sure. Fundamental. So, yeah. I didn't know how to go into hooping at Nike. Right. Right. Against, you know, yeah, you had somebody say, hey, well, look, these major colleges are going to be there. You play the mm -hmm. point guard position. Then mm -hmm. look, at the major, look at the colleges that's like our scenes that's leaving the institution. So this is what right. you need to do. You need to be more of a of a point guard presence than a two guard. Or I mean, just all kind of variables that we don't even we just go in there just straight up hooping. And then yeah, right. you put up 30 points a game, but they already got someone that can put up 30. So you might you might that might not be good for them because that's not what they're looking for. You know what I mean? Right. So yeah, it's just, it's just crazy. Go ahead, though. And that's and that's that's exactly what what I feel like you miss when you go there. Because you you think of it as part, you think of it as just regular hooping, but cats out of they you gotta go in there with a focus and a purpose. Yes. And you gotta understand to to level up, you gotta know exactly what you're doing. Right. And I didn't know what I was doing. I was just hooping. Like, all right, I'm a dish, I'm gonna move around, you know. Another cast is getting off. I'm like, man, they selfish. <laughs> like, them boys are selfish, man. Like, they ain't. But in hindsight, they trying to eat. They trying to eat. Right. So, um, go up there. I had a pre pretty decent camp. You know, other schools started showing interest after that. And I get back to Columbia. And senior year comes around. And it's like, I'm on 10. Mm. Like, I, every gym, like what I was chasing from my freshman year has manifested itself my senior year. Mm. There was no gym I couldn't go in that wasn't full on a Tuesday or Friday night. Um, the hype was there. You know, the whole autograph thing, I was content. <laughs> like, I, I made it. For sure. And then, um, you know, it's just me, my mom, and my brother. My sister was in college, so there wasn't nothing she could tell me about the process of what I was going through. Um, Coach Fulmer really couldn't explain it because he, he had a couple players that played in college, you know, and he had been around JoJo at that time, but there was there was nobody that could sit me down and just be like, hey, here's what's about to happen. Right, right. When Coach Crest calls, when Eddie Fogler calls, when Rick Barnes calls, when Jim Beheim calls, when, when all these people call, here's what you need to be understanding and here's what you need to start mm. looking out for yourself. Mm. And I didn't have that. So again, senior year was, was takeoff year. And it was, it was, a, it was, it was a movie, borderline a movie. Mm. And then it was time to start the process, the recruiting process. Letters come, phone calls come, coaches at games, you know, the whole thing is just like, I don't, what do you do? Like, what am I? So my decision to stay at Carolina really was, was, was threefold. One, I got to stay close to home um, because again, my grandfather passed the summer I was at Oak Hill. Mm -hmm. I think if that didn't happen, I would have probably, I would have probably looked at things different. Sure. But again, as we started, I'm deeply rooted in Charleston. For sure. So family means a lot to me. And 
and that happening was like I can't be away from my people that far. Like that, right. that's that right. comfort zone. Right. So um, USC just came off the '97 uh, STC championship NCAA tournament run. Um, somebody who I really idolized from a distance was Melvin Watson. Again, I watched him play at Burke. For sure. And so um, seeing him, obviously BJ being there, it was just like, mm. yeah, mm. I'm about to do this. For sure. And the the last thing was, you know, I, again, now I'm chasing a new, a new thing. Mm. Same person. Mm. Mm. New thing. Mm. B was a McDonald's All-American. Went to Carolina. I think he was uh, either freshman of the year or, or, you know, first team or something like that as a freshman. Now I got a new barter. You know what I mean? For sure. I'm going to Carolina. Mm. I, I, got in, I didn't put much thought into it. Um, Miami and Syracuse were the two other schools, I think, that I was considering. But the most tangible thing I had was Carolina. Right. That was the most tangible thing I had. Um, Charleston was was in the mix because obviously Coach Kretz is one of the greatest. For sure. And have an opportunity to play in the city. Right. Like that, that would have meant a lot to me as well, but it was the stages. For sure. For sure. Two different stages. And so I, you know, I was like, you know what? Vogel's at my house. He's at the games every other day. I get to go to the games on a regular basis. I got the person who kind of, you know, fueled my fire to hoop. I got another guy idolized. Like this is why this is a no-brainer. Man, my question is, how did you so like how was those practices though? Because you know, playing with Mel, which is, you know, one of my best friends, you know, yeah. from you know, seventh because we when we we rode, we used to tote. If you know, if we used to tote all the time, like you know, what I'm saying, Mel had legs, was like Mel yeah. had legs and ass, you know, what I'm saying, right. and he was he was so strong and more now than then, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 <laughs> so, you know what I mean, and, and the competitive yeah. nature from BJ as well. Mm-hmm. I guess you know you learned a lot and and competed at a high level, which made would made your game totally, you know, ex- exceptional. Um, but what as as a as a before we go into the next topic, I want the, the players to understand this: being that not only you know had someone that you idolized, someone that you you know wanted to uh, compete with his accomplishments, like from your mental standpoint, right? Yeah, the hunger was there, but how did you approach, how do you approach that every day? Because I know some days you you probably, you know, got the L, some days you got the W, but how do you yeah. approach it every day going back and going back into practice? Um, I think the biggest thing that helped me was was having the opportunity to play against them in the summers. Um, so like when we played team oh, camp, yeah, team camp my my junior year, and then like we we'd have some other times where we'd be down there. And Coach Fogel was like, you know, after camp, this is 11 o'clock at night. He's like, go out there. Mm. And I was hanging in there, 
and I was doing my thing and I was like, you know, I can, you know, and one aspect of it was like, damn, that's BJ. Like, that's Mel. Like, right. yo. Right. And then on the other hand, it was like, that's still that dude that came in the gym, you know, mm. four, mm. three years ago and was signing autographs. Sure. I still got, I still got something to say to him. For sure. Hey, what's up, guys? Check this out. If you're coming into the Charleston area, or maybe leaving out the Charleston area, and you want to avoid long lines and be greeted by friendly, sweet people, go check out Mark over at Avis and Budget Car Rental at 7685 Northwoods Boulevard. When you go see Mark and you mention Triple Threat Podcasts, you receive 30% discount on your rental. They also offer compact to large SUVs and vans to rent with quick, easy transaction and check us out and limited mileage on most rentals. So give Mark a call at 843-572-3190. Don't forget to mention Triple Threat Podcast. So, you know, everything was was where it needed to be. And then they turned up the heat. 511-165 versus 61-210. And six, you know, 62-185-190. Right. It's like, all right. Right. I got some work to do. For sure. But I remember, again, distinctly, my first, um, when I got there, and this might have been um, summer of 98 after I graduated. And we had to report for summer school, you know, workouts and all of that stuff. And I saw BJ in the training room. And I just looked at him. I was like, you know what? All them records, I'm about to bust them. Mm. Mm. He just looked at me. He was like, all right, good luck. Mm. And from there, it was like, now I get to see you. I get put my hands on you. Mm. Like, you know what I mean? Sure. Like, I get to put my hands on you now. For sure. And um, <clears throat> then I got introduced to BJ Mack, mm. you know, and his competitive nature. And then I understood what it took because as hard as he played and some of the things people, you know, had to say about him, about how he played, that's how he prepared, that's how he practiced, that's how, I mean, I, re- I remember seeing fights in practice, seeing yeah. those things because sure. of the competitive nature. For sure. But I, but I also understood that he, his reputation, his, his accolades, all of that was stemmed from that. Yes, yeah. His desire to win, his desire to be the best, his desire to compete against whoever. Right. That's what it was like, all right, this is what it's going to take. So I put on 20 pounds my freshman year. Wow, wow. I went from 165 to 185, bench pressing 300, you know, doing all this other stuff because of, A, because of what he brought to the table from the competitive and the work standpoint, but also 
like I said, when you got one of the best defenders in college basketball, Melvin Watson, putting 210 on you, it was like, you got to do something different or Mm -hmm. you're going to just shut up. Right, right. You ain't going to be able to talk to them boys if if you ain't. Right. Lightweight. So. And I um, know about the, and and I heard about the, just shit, Mel and BJ had their own thing going on. So oh, not, yeah, you yeah, been yeah. caught you been caught up in that web that's already yeah. you know yeah so it was like you know you 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 go into a shark tank and it's like you you see why they had the success that they had in the in the you know the things that you desire to do because of their success you start to see it behind closed doors and you understand the why is behind closed doors right and so you know, I tried to take that into it and mimic a lot of what they were doing. But I wanted to elevate. I mean, me and B play one-on-one a lot after practices, and I don't care what he say. I used to bust his ass. For sure, for sure. Um, But it's not a one-on-one game. Right, right, right. And so I I learned more in doing that than I did having that ego trip for sure you know what i mean him walking out the gym pissed off all that other stuff that was a whole nother sidebar but again he's mcdonald's all american he's the right. sec champion he's one of the best players in the conference i ain't got nothing right right he got a state championship just, i don't even have a state championship all that just adding the confidence to you yeah so so, so you know moving into after those guys left and now we, like you said, different level. We're talking about now. You thinking next level? You know, NBA getting paid to put the thing in the hole. Um, yeah. Tell me about that transition and and how did you know those things happen? Because you know we we look for an agent. You know, we look mm-hmm. someone to represent us. To try to get us different different looks. What happened mm-hmm. in that transition? Um, going from your junior to senior year, and and, and you turning professional. I mean, it was. Again, I, I think I was still in a position where I didn't have the the mentorship. All right. Um, the guys that I looked up to, the guys that I would say are big brothers to me, they were still trying to learn the game. For sure. Right? For sure. B, B had his opportunity to to go. He didn't take it. He came back. We played a year. Then he did the CBA and all this other stuff. So, you know, we didn't have social media. You really didn't have that contact like that unless it was the summertime. So, you know, those short times during the summer, there's not a lot you can get other than just yeah. a few tidbits. Sure. Mel was doing this thing overseas. So, you know, the guys I needed to talk to and get that direct, hey, this is what's about to happen. This is how you need to prepare. Um this is, you know, X, Y, and Z. I, I still didn't have it. Right. Um, you know, I had the local guys and I had guys who have done it, you know, Tyrone Corbin, Xavier McDaniel, um, even Jermaine O'Neal, guys and stuff, you know, that I played with in the summertime. But the system changed when there's different times than when you're coming. Right. <clears throat> so, but it, it still wasn't just somebody wrap their arms around you and be like, For sure. this is what you need to be doing. Um, I attribute a lot of that success and a lot of my just ability to to stick with um, 
chasing a dream was Marcus Saxon. Oh, that's a listen. Yeah. And so if and I tell them, I tell him to this day, I tell other people to this day, if I would have met Marcus Saxon in, in high school, my career would have went a lot further. For sure. Because sure. he taught me that grind. He taught me how to do it again. He was still trying to figure a lot of things out for himself. So it was it wasn't much he could tell me about preparation to be a pro. Right. He could tell me how to go hard and go at your neck and, and not stop until until you quit. Right. But he couldn't really tell me and explain to me the business. For sure. And so, you know, my junior year, I had a had a decent year. You know, the whole Carolina thing was 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 a roller coaster. Um, and then my senior year. We get matter of fact, let me back up. My junior year is the year Coach Fogler um, resigned. And we were going to play in the NIT um, at UConn. He told us that before we got on the plane. Wow. Wow. And we're, we're playing against Karan Butler. And this is where things got really kind of weird for me as far as hooping and just my motivation and everything. We're playing – and in stores at, at UConn. And, you know, we all chopping it up before the game. You know, it's the end of the season. It's cold. You know, it really doesn't mean anything. Right. You know, right. we're juniors. It's like whatever our coach is leaving. Like, we don't know what's happening next. And I remember specifically Crime Butler being like, man, I don't want to be here. Like, y'all boys go ahead and do this thing. And because nobody wanted to play. For sure, for sure. I mean, it was the weirdest feeling ever, like, because we didn't make it to the tournament. They didn't make it to the tournament. It's just like, we don't want this consolation prize. Right, right. Our coach and our coach just left. So it was just like, man, now what? Right. We get back, we get, they won, actually. So we were laughing about that after the game. It's like, hey, good luck. <laughs> and we can't, you know, came back to Columbia, got no coaching staff. Um, I actually started working out with the football team. Interesting. Lou Holtz and, and Joker Phillips was like, hey, you thought about playing football? Yeah, I might. Well, I don't even know what's about to happen next, right. so why right. not? Right. So at that point, I was just like, man, this, you know, this is for the birds, man. I didn't sign up for for this part of it. Right. And so, um, you know, Dave Odom comes in. You know, I still had some, some missed feelings about him because he didn't recruit me. This, <laughs> I got a bunch of little funny <laughs> stories in between, all right? For sure. So um, they didn't recruit me, right? Right. And I felt some type of way because he recruited um, Tick, not Tick, um, James Griffin. James Griffin, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he recruited James now. That same 97 summer, I played a little bit of AAU and we played them um, at Irmo. It was him and uh, I think they called him Tick or Squirt. He played up at Woodmont, Dennis Cannon. And the two of them were like legends up there. Right. But they were on the same squad. And it was me, Ed Scott, um, Rolando Howell, Ivan Howell. You know, we had our little crew down here. and We bust their heads up there. <laughs> and Dave was there. And I was just like, I know, because I got busy. Like, it was personal. For sure. And so um, they never called and, and, and never, like, worked out. And so the first day after Dave's press conference, I told him that. I was like, man, 
I, mm. I bust your guy's ass and you didn't mm. like nothing. Mm. So I was already feeling some type of way when he got there. But, you know, once we settled in and got things going, his his system, and this goes back to another point you made earlier about understanding the school systems, um, styles of play, locations, all of the other stuff. His system suited me better than what mm. Eddie Fogler's system did. Now, Eddie Fogler's system, that North Carolina system, helped me as a player right. and made me right. a better pro. Right. But as far as what the expectations were and what people wanted to see and what they thought they were going to see from me didn't happen until Odom got there. So Randolph this is my children's. Yeah, yeah. The system, so, I wanted to go to Wake too. Yeah. Right. And it was just like, it, it couldn't have been a better scenario on my on my last year. For sure. Where I got to have a little bit more freedom, put up a little bit better numbers, show a lot of what people thought they were going to see from my high school days. Right. And we get through there, we lose in the NIT finals, you know, obviously devastated because I don't even know what's going to happen yet. I don't have a great relationship with this new coaching staff. I mean, there was no problems, no ill wills, but Again, I was with the previous staff for three years. Like you build a certain rapport and I've known Fogler since, you know, my junior year in high school. And I got you for one year, right. six months, really. Right, right. And so um, after that, and I'm, again, my NIT numbers were crazy. I thought I played well. Um, and at that time, you probably, probably know Portsmouth was the goal. Like I got to get, like that's when you start understanding, exactly. you know, hooping when you know where to be. Exactly. I was like, you go to Portsmouth, then you go to Vegas, then you go to Chicago. Chicago, right? And so, I was like, I need to know how this works. Nobody's telling me anything. I don't know nothing. I'm like, somebody got to plug me in. Like, what? How, what's going on? And I'll never forget it to this day. I got a phone call from um, Ernie Nestor, who was assistant coach at the time. He calls me on a Tuesday night about nine o'clock and he says, um, are you interested in going to Portsmouth? <laughs> what do you mean am I interested? Of course, <laughs> like you should be telling me what I need to be doing. So right. It's like, all right, you know, they call, they want want you to come up. Um, you know, I was just checking to make sure. It's like, all right, yeah, yeah, whatever. Just let right. me know what I need to do. Um, and he calls back 30 minutes later and he's like, well, they didn't hear back from you in time. They got your alternate. Dang. And when I say that was my first, probably one of my first heartbreak Dang. from this hoop thing. Mm. And I just sat there on my couch in my apartment, like, mm. what, like, what was that all about? Mm. And so from that point, I really just, I started working. I went to uh, a place I did my internship and I just started work. I graduated, started work. Wow. Played in a little semi-pro league with, with BJ. Um, and uh, I played in this little semi-pro league. I was working a nine to five. And I think the low gators had reached out. Mm. And I had already heard the stories about, you know, the, what was it MBDL at that time? Correct. Yep. Um, yep. And I was just like, man, I'm making more money 
doing my nine to five, I was already still a little bitter from the whole Portsmouth thing. It's like, man, I'm not about to go down there and make sixteen, twenty thousand dollars. Right. I know I'm better than that. Right. And it's not leading to nowhere. Like right. he didn't go to the league. Grant didn't go to the league. Like right. I'm not about to mess with that. In this time out message, we got Barrington Huntley. That's the plan right now. So for students enrolling next year, the year after, they have a lot of flexibility that I kind of went over earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, but the plan is to go back to normal. I will say when it comes to the test score right now, there is a, it's called the Standardized Test Score Task Force that has been put together. And that is going to look at whether there needs to be any adjustments or potential elimination of the test score requirement from NCAA legislation altogether. So that's something to keep uh, keep an ear out for just to see if that's going to change. Nothing has come out of the group yet. There's been a few meetings, but mm-hmm. once, um, once something does come out, for sure, definitely we can get that communicated um, and, and kind of be looking for that. You know, we'll see. Sure. Now let's get back to the interview. And so um, one of my former teammates, his his old coach from Lithuania used to come and watch him play and and be there all the time. Lo and behold, he was an agent. Mm. He calls me out the blue and he's like, are you interested in, in hooping overseas? I don't even know what that means, but yeah, I guess so. I right. mean, pain. Right. And he's like, well, you know, we'll, we'll bring you out for a tryout. They'll fly you out and, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what goes from there. And I was like, okay, like, I don't, all right. Right. <clears throat> so I hope I packed my bag for a week, went out there, um, tried out for the two. The two biggest teams out there ended up signing with um, one of them. Wow. Wow. And that's how it happened. Like, but it was got, no. But you got to think about that. Think about, you know, the, the whole preparation and <clears throat> the work we put into it and the accolades we get. And then, boom, it still it has nothing to do with talent. It's all yeah. about resources and communication. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, and not and even not about education because a, a well-informed person can make <clears throat> a better decision than a well-educated person can. Right. It's all about information. It's all about information. So I find it interesting yeah. that you know that happened, and and and, and you find your way through that situation. So moving forward, did you sign with the agent, and uh, how long did your career last after you you started you know overseas? Well, it was um, I, you know, over there is is real different. So right. I didn't sign, I didn't necessarily sign with him. I just stuck with him because sure. he put me on. Right. <clears throat> and so um, you know, that first year it was 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 difficult because A, I'm in a country I've never even heard of. Um right. it was a blessing because basketball is their number one sport. But the adjustments in the game, um, again, style of play, uh understanding systems, like it was it was a tough first year, but um, I had a cat who uh, 
Um, man, my na- his name just went blank on me. Steve Woodbury played at Kansas. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> he got traded to the team late in the season. And so he kind of helped mentor and kind of coach me through. And he was just like, listen, you, you're over here. You're getting paid to do what you do best. Mm. And mm. then that that kind of registered. Right. What I did best wasn't, and I, I don't want this to come off the wrong way, but what I did best wasn't necessarily to play a PG, run an offense, you know, try to get nine assists a game and, and score, you know, three or four points. Right. My whole career was based off my athleticism and me being able to put the ball in the hole. For sure. And so from that point, like everything took off. Mm. Like I just say, you know what? Just go hoop. If they send right. you home, they send you home. But right. just just go do what you gotta do. And then it, it took off from there. And so um, you know, I was there for a year. No, I was there for two years. You know, they put me on a pedestal. I dunked champion, player of the year, all this other great stuff. And then my next heartbreak happens. I start getting um, some interest from, I think it was the Mavericks and the Celtics. Right. A couple um, scouts came and watched us play because we had another cat that got drafted by San Antonio on, on my team. Mm-hmm. And so... We always had NBA guys coming out to our game. So um, I re-signed a deal. And I, I'm always transparent because I'm mentor and I talk to kids and hoopers all the time. I re-signed a deal, I think it was 1.4 for, for five years. Right. I'm already thinking I'm rich with the little bit of money I was getting. For sure. So you put me in that category, I'm like, yo. Right. Damn. Right. But then there's the business of overseas and that's a whole nother conversation. So A, I come home, I'm working out, I'm hooping, um, not even understanding at that time how to be a pro. Sure. I thought getting better and working on my game was playing pickup. You know, lift weights, get a couple shots up here and there, but you gotta get your runs in. For sure. Messed my ankle up two days before I was supposed to fly to go see Donnie Nelson in Dallas. Damn. Said, if you can't work out, ain't no need to come. For sure. So that hits me. Damn. Damn. It's right there on the table, and I mess it up. Mm. So then I have to go back to my team. Still coming off of this ankle thing. I was in a boot for like three weeks. So I get back to my team. Again, I'm coming off player of the year. I re-signed my deal. I'm thinking everything is just, we, we about to do our thing. And they get a new coach. <laughs> a Serbian coach at that. No disrespect to any Serbian. Sure. Because they one of the toughest, hardest players I know. But he was very upfront that he didn't like Americans. Mm. Or necessarily our style of play. For sure. And so me and him started riffing off top. He was like, I want you Believe it or not, I had dreads at the time. You probably know that because you For know sure. me. But, yeah. Um, yeah. I had dreads. And, you know, I had the hair thing going on. And he was just like, he need to cut his hair. Like, he, this style of play. And it's like, I'm the dude. Like, who, right. who are you? Right. You know what I mean? And I ended up getting traded to Israel. So now I'm thinking everything's getting funny now. They send me to Israel. I'm on the same deal. 
both teams are paying me. So I'm like, whatever. At this right. point, the business is starting to take control Right. in my head. I'm not sure. thinking about grinding and hooping and all the things that got me here. Right. Now is I need to get my check. Right. I'm at that point in my career where it's just like, I'm, if y'all not paying me, I'm not doing nothing. Mm. And so I go to Israel. I kind of halfway go through things just because I'm getting two checks. I'm like, man, they just sent me here, you know, to get old boy out. For sure. And then I'm going to go back. And then um, I go back. <laughs> Craziest thing, man. I break my hand. You're shaking your head, but you you need to hear the rest of it. My first game back to my old team, I had cut my hair at that time, not because of him, but just because I was at a different point. Right. I break my hand, had surgery and everything, break my hand on Antonio Grant's knee. My old teammate. Right, right. <laughs> first game back coming off a ball screen, I break my, break my hand. So I'm out for really two months. Right. My team brings in another cat, you know, to fill my roster spot, basically, because I was there just kind of as the backup PG at this point. And then I break my hand. They bring in another cat. So now I'm the one guy out off the roster. Right. They end up winning the ULEB Cup, which is one of the, the second biggest cup other than EuroLeague. They fly me over there. I'm with the team, everything, celebration, confetti, all this other stuff. They start handing out the little jerseys and all this other stuff. And I'm like, I didn't get Like, I don't have a jersey. <clears throat> then I find out I'm not on the, the, the 14 roster. Mm. Mm. All right. So y'all fly me way over here. We do all this other stuff. And at that time, I could play. I was out my cast and everything, but they had already signed the other guy, right? For sure. So I'm like, all right, you know, what's up with that? So we get back, and then they start getting funny with the money. Mm. That's when everything just started going south. And mm. I was just like, man, this is BS. I signed right. this deal for this amount for these many years. Wow. What's up? And then that's when I started learning the business. I started mm. calling folks back home. I think Jamie Watson was trying to tell me, like, Man, this is that's just how it is. Melvin, wow. I called Melvin and he's like, that's just how it is. I'm like, this ain't wow. right, though. Wow. Like, this is not, this is not what I signed up for. This is not, this is not what we as kids dream of. For sure. Is to put in all this work, to do all this other stuff. I'm doing my part. You gotta do your part. And so after that, the whole love of the game was gone. That's crazy. Like the business, the business aspect of everything took over. So my last, my last three years, three and a half years of hooping was just, you gonna pay me, I'll be there. Right, right. And it was really, I'm a hoop off of just the strength of it. Like I wasn't putting in no work. I would hoop during the summer a little bit, but I wasn't like. Right, going after it like that. No, at that point, NBA was gone messed that up um at least in my mind you get what i'm right, saying right right like all the things that i thought i was setting myself up for were gone so me those, last, those last couple years i was just going through the motions so what, what would you like you said 
you know, we didn't have any pioneers kind of painting that picture for us. What would you tell the student athletes leaving college, going overseas? What would you tell them, you know, as far as um, preparing for that next level so they don't get caught up in the same, same situation that you get caught up in? Um, I mean, I learned I learned a, a lot of things later on that didn't hit me until later on. So I played with guys that played in the league. I played with Dickie Simpkins, who played on the Bulls teams when they were on when they were on their runs. Played with Sherelle Ford, who played for the Seattle SuperSonics. Um, again, Steve Woodbury, who played in the league, played over. It was a legend overseas. Um, Ed Coda was like a big brother overseas for me. So, you know, learning the business, you know, is one thing because that's that's the dream that we're trying to get to. And I try right. to tell young young student athletes this now: what you're where you're preparing to go, you have to prepare in every aspect of it mm. because it's not so much the physical aspect; it becomes mental. The higher mm. up you go, it becomes mental. Mm. And so, what I what I tell young people now is set goals right and stay focused on the goals not anything outside of the goals mm. if you put up your numbers if you achieve your goals if you get those championships your player of the year awards mvp whatever it is that's on your goal sheet stick to that and that'll keep driving your love for the game mm. when you start getting outside of that box right because most of, i never put money down mm. Sure. I always wrote when I started writing my goals, it was always numbers. I felt mm -hmm. like if I if I hit the numbers, the money will take care of itself. And Good it point. started doing that. Good point. But where I went wrong was I deviated from my goal sheet and only started focusing on the dollar. Mm. And so what I try to tell people now is stick to your goal sheet. Set goals. The college kids I work out now, the pro kids I train, the, the, even the high school kids, I need to see your goals. What are your numbers? And we're going to focus on the numbers, like your personal numbers, what you're trying to achieve. If you stick to that plan, everything else that you want to see happen will happen if you work and earn. And so, you know, for me, looking back, hindsight, I'm thankful for going through that experience because, sure. again, I can't take away. I played, you know, six years overseas. For sure. Five and a half, six years. And so for from a kid from Columbia, um, and I, I always say by way of Charleston, to be able to go from there to not knowing about college, to be able to go to college, get a degree, go from there to travel the world for free. Mm. You know, my experience, I was supposed to go through that. For sure. To help yeah. tell somebody else because nobody told me. For sure. And so, um, you know, the whole thing is is to always maintain your focus on on what got you there. That gotcha. happened mm -hmm. to me in college, right? When when Fogler left, I started forgetting what BJ did in 1993, mm. right? When I when I became a pro, I started forgetting my goal sheet, mm. which was always driven by what BJ did in 1993. For sure. For sure. So, you know, the thing for any young hooper, if you desire, because there's an expectation that comes with success. We're seeing right. it now with Naomi Osaka. We're seeing it with Simone Biles. We see it with um, 
you know, all our professional athletes. Right. Higher you go, the expectations are going to be set. And you have to you have to uphold to a standard, but your standard should only be based on your goals. That's that's that's, that's awesome. just my opinion. That's awesome. He made a name for himself as a star for the College of Charleston basketball teams in the mid to late 90s. And now, Jermell President is doing what he can to make sure that the Charleston area kids have a chance to succeed on the court and in life. So I want to you know, give some of that back to the community as well. Um, after college and after playing professionally, uh, I started the Day Foundation just to, to be that wealth of knowledge to the kids in the community and, and parents as well. College of Charleston Hall of Famer Jamel President said he saw a need for this while he was in school. So he founded the nonprofit Day Foundation. And his philosophy for success is based on what he calls his oatmeal recipe. Let's go and finish together. Basically teaches the game of basketball, focusing on skills, development, nutrition, and education. Not only SAT, ACT type stuff, but education for parents in how to navigate through the different levels of athletics. In closing, we do something called uh, the oatmeal recipe, um, which is nutrition, education, and skill development. And I think yeah. that can go along with any sport, any career, what have you. Um, those three get it, those and three those three ingredients are very important. And talking about skill development, um, what's your take on skill development? And um, not saying just you know the skill development on the court, but Skill development comes from listening, you know what I'm saying? Listening skills. Um, what's, what's, how important is skill development to you and how do you apply it to your everyday life? Um, well, I mean, I, I've been training kids and players for almost 10 years now. And, you know, you have to educate yourself. That goes with anything that you're doing. For sure. Right? Nothing's going to happen overnight. Everything is earned. And earning something is a process. For sure. And so, you know, my recipe is simple. Like you, you, your dreams only get greater by the work you put in. You set a goal, you chase that dream, you shatter that dream and you set a new. Yes, sir. And so, you know, to get to a point where um, you're at the highest level of your potential, politics aside, you're at the highest level of your potential. You have to appreciate what you did to get there. Mm. Mm. There are a lot of dudes, there are a lot of people that should be in the NBA. There's a lot of dudes that should be in the NFL. There's a lot of people that should have played at major division one schools that ended up going NAIA or that's fine. For sure. You can't be anybody but yourself. And if that's where your your that's where the path took you then make the most of that. that makes make sense. the most of that path because mm -hmm. that'll that'll take you further and that'll help you along the way more than anything else. My experience and what I went through, um, not having mentors and not having people has put me in the, the realm of education. Has mm. has has put me in that that process of of. Um, not in that process, but being in the occupation of ed education as a school counselor, as being a coach, as being a trainer, as being a mentor. Um, because all those tools and not sticking to a goal sheet and, and having that heartbreak and having all that other stuff, that's what taught me um, 
to be the happiest that I am right now. For sure. For sure. I didn't touch the basketball. I didn't hoop, I would say. I touch basketball every day. I'm actually getting ready to go train some kids now. But I haven't hooped in almost two years, and I, I don't miss it. Like, right. it doesn't it doesn't affect me. I try to tell kids every day that we work, you know, you got to focus on you. Right. Only focus on you and study your craft, master your craft. And you 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 said something about the next one, which is education. And I think you already kind of answered that, you know, anyway, how important it is to learn every day. And I think you said you just got your master's um, in counseling. And I told you before, we started the conversation. I just enrolled in school as well. And being a leader, being a coach, being a trainer, being an athlete, being a competitor, like <clears throat> I felt like there was a void there because I wanted to learn more. I wanted to be able to learn about families and how to approach them situations so I could be more better at what I do. You know what I mean? That's the competitive nature in us. So um, you want to touch base just briefly on education and how do you apply the things that you're learning every day? Say that one more time. How do you apply the things that you're learning? Like we, education is important, but you're saying you're going to school, you got your master's and dealing with you know, kids and families. How do you apply that? Um, the things that you learn in your experiences, in your experience? Well, I mean, from a counseling standpoint, you know, obviously there's this big push on mental health. Um, and I've always been a, a big proponent of knowing who you are, knowing where you come from. And so I've always read books on, on history, uh, our culture, um, so as a counselor, I, I feel like it's important for me to apply that to training because training, counseling, coaching is all the same. It all encompasses the same thing. Yep. So I don't I don't go outside of my box very much. Sure. Sure. So, you know, when it comes to, to, to coaching and training, you have to understand the game to appreciate the game. You have to study the game in order to grow in the game. Right. right. And education is the same thing. You got to know, um, you you have to know history to understand where you're going. It's an old, you know, African proverb saying, Kofan, you, you got to look back in order to be able to go forward. For sure. So, you know, everything that, that comes with counseling and the things that I learned at, at South Carolina State um, in their master's program in school counseling. It's stuff that I already practiced, mm. and it's, it's bits and pieces of some people that are that that taught me in different ways, and now I just get to take my experiences and try to make it fit um, the situation that's in front of me. That's awesome. So you know, kids need to understand their past in order to understand where they are and where they're trying to go. And right. that's in basketball, that's in life, that's in education, that's in work. You got to know what you come from in order to, to fully represent who you are. You can't change who you are. You just got to sure. fully represent it. For sure. <clears throat> and lastly, nutrition. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I say all the time, I hate to see athletes in AAU games or whatever, just eating, <clears throat> you know, Skittles, drinking soda, eating fast food. And not put, mm -hmm. putting the the prop the proper nutrients in their body. Um, how important nutrition is to you, and how do you uh, apply it to you? Especially, you know, coaching your teams and all. How do you apply nutrition to your teams in your life? 
Well, I mean, I didn't understand nutrition, even though we had a nutritionist in college. Well, we didn't. Our trainer was kind of our sub nutritionist. Um, and they have them now, but I didn't really understand. Like me, our trainer is just was giving us supplements. But anyway, go ahead. Right, right, right. And making sure we ate the right thing on um, team meals and stuff like that. But now they actually have people that specialize in nutrition. Exactly. I didn't really appreciate that and understand it until again, until I played and worked with pros. Mm. And once, you know, they start to tell you, hey, you need to lay off this, you need to lay off that. It starts to make sense. For and sure. as you get older, i.e. some one of our close friends that is coaching now that has gotten a little bit more robust, you start to understand um, the importance as right. an athlete. We've all gained weight. We kind of gotten out of our, our athletic element and that's just yeah. time and years. Right. Um, but I'm trying to maintain it. Right. And in order for me to coach kids and tell them that, you know, you got to eat right, I got to practice the same thing. I got to practice what I preach. Yeah, look apart. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, diet just as a whole in our culture is, is a big proponent of, you know, our diseases, our stressors, um, a number of things that we go through. I, you know, I look back over my career, over my life, and in moments where I really struggle. And I start to think about how much the, those whoppers, those, mm. you know, the red rice and the, all the other Oxygen. stuff that we yeah, consume all the time played a factor into me not just having the energy that day, me mentally just not being there. Like just thinking about all those things now, I try to I try to incorporate it with coaching. I tell all the kids I train, listen, you can't come to me fresh off a milkshake or whatever else you can eat. <laughs> Cause I'm gonna run it out you. I don't care nothing about what you did until you get. Once you get in here, I only expect one thing. Right. And so, um, you know, just trying to educate them and give them that knowledge earlier. Again, we, we both already alluded to. We had we didn't have it for sure growing up. So, trying to give them that, passing that is uh, is vital because you know it's gonna take them a, a longer way than than what we had. we had to figure it out. For now sure. they have it. They just gotta, they gotta apply it for themselves. For sure. <clears throat> well, Luke, man, that was a good, you know, extensive, you know, interview. And I think the the community definitely appreciate the wealth of knowledge, hearing your story, you know. And I think a lot of families listen to that and help them redirect their approaches, their thought process into going to things. And that's kind of the reason why we do this podcast and I do my services because I want to fill that void of athletes not having that information you know moving forward that we did and so i appreciate your time and you know thanks for your your, your info yeah for sure and again um you know always big fan brother you know sure. watch you and aj and dad and said and all them boys back in the day so always been a fan i always watch from afar appreciate what you're doing for sure. um, for anybody listening again just it's all about application. Dreams only get greater by the work you put in. You got to set goals. You got to chase dreams. You got to shatter those dreams and go set new ones. So sure. um, I appreciate it, brother. Anytime you need me, phone call away. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hey, do me a favor. Tell um, uh, tell Sax, Sam Sax, my number, tell him I should holler at me. I can, uh, when I used to live in Columbia, we used to kick it with the X and Bovane and them boy when I was up yeah, there. But Sax, Sax was uh Sax was here. He went to St. Andrews for a little before he 
before he went yeah. to Columbia. He was down yeah. here. Yeah. And I saw that man dribble out of a, a three-man trap. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And he yeah. had handles before handles were even noticeable like that. So right. Yeah, tell him I said, what's up and pass the number on. Tell him I said, give me a shout, man. I will. I will. That's that's my dude, man. His word is bond when it comes to basketball for me. For sure. For sure. All right, man. Well, go on, get them kids ready, man. We'll, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks again. Appreciate you. Peace. All right, Pete. So there it goes, guys. Another one in the books. I want to thank Mr. Aaron Lucas for coming by and dropping some knowledge on, uh, on how things is done, how work pays off. All right, you got trials and tribulations and we get through them. So again, thank you for coming on. Uh, coming up next, we got um, NCAA Barrington Huntley um, in our third um, episode to talk more about the preparation of things coming up in this new school school year. Has things changed with the NCAA or did they stay the same? Those things are very important to student athletes trying to uh, get to the next level. All right. So look forward to the third interview and we'll uh, get, all that, get all that information to you. We'll be right back. What Jermel is doing with Today Foundation and the approach he's taking to help develop young athletes, first of all, getting them prepared from the academic standpoint, which as you know as well as I do, Bobby, that's the most important element to try to get them to eat healthy, to be able to train properly to get the proper education and then hopefully for those who are talented enough to have a chance to move on to perhaps even get a free education by going off to college but i love what jermel is doing it's a wonderful program hopefully more people in the community will get behind it and some of the businesses involved as well to help sponsor this program because these are the kind of things that every community needs looking out for the best interest of a youth the future of this country is in our youth and everything that we can do to help prepare them better for that is absolutely wonderful and and i can't express adequately enough my admiration and respect for what jermel is doing and hopefully he'll get a lot of help from a lot of people you can follow us on facebook and instagram at jermel president and on twitter at president jermel Make sure to subscribe to this podcast as I'll be bringing you a new interview every month.